It is wonderful to have everybody out here together, as Randy said, here during the announcements, uh, to worship God in spirit and truth here this morning. Amen? Amen? It's an opportunity to start your week out the right way. To have, to, to really, to, to focus on all the blessings that we have in this life, uh, in this life and how they all stem from Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, you think about the last few weeks, uh, we kind of leading up to this, we've been talking about some different things, right? I talked about how, you know, there's two times of year where we have an opportunity to, you know, where the world is more willing to listen to maybe a message or, or maybe something that you have to say when it comes to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Maybe talking to them about their faith, you know, Christmas, Easter, right? We know that those are two times of year where people are more apt to at least be willing to have some conversations, maybe even be willing to hear you out. Even if they don't necessarily agree, we need to take every opportunity because we live in a world that is increasingly hostile to the Christian faith. Amen? And so we need to take every opportunity that we have to plant the seed of the gospel into the hearts and minds of all mankind. So you see, brethren, on the screen behind me, we're going to talk about the ascension today. When's the last time you heard a sermon on the Ascension? When's the last time you've really ever heard a Bible study on the Ascension? You know, I was reading some articles this past week, and I was going over some different things, looking at notes, and, and <laughs> one commentator says, he goes, you know, I spent 35 years in the church. I don't think I ever heard a, a sermon on the Ascension. And, you know, I think about it going back and all the time I've been in the church, I don't think I've ever really heard one. You know, because we focus on what? We focus on the virgin birth, right? That's important. You know, we focus on the cross. Well, the cross is important. We focus on what? The resurrection. The resurrection's important. Well, what about the ascension? Well, the last couple weeks, you know, we've been looking at the promise, right? The great promise. You know, going back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, and knowing that the, the seed of woman was going to bruise the, the head uh, of, of, of the serpent. And we know uh, that uh, then you get to Genesis chapter 12 and 22 and we see the promise that God made to Abraham that one of his, uh, from his seed all the world would be blessed. And then we talked about some of the messianic prophecies. We talked about some of the details of those prophecies. That Jesus would be born, the Redeemer, the Savior, the Christ would be born in Bethlehem. We talked about the virgin birth. We looked at some of those prophecies. We talked about how the the Bible uh, 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 describes Jesus as the uh, unspeakable, undescribable gift, depending on your translation. And so as we've looked at those things, brethren, I want to kind of follow all of that up with the ascension. Because we look at the virgin birth, we look at the cross, right? We look at the resurrection. But I want to give you some reasons this morning that the ascension is every bit as important as those other things. Let's open our Bibles this morning. We're going to read 11 verses of Acts chapter 1. And it won't be on the screen behind me just because it's too long. So Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. I want us to read that. I want us to see when Jesus is getting ready to ascend back to heaven. I want, to, I want you to see what it's going to say here. And then we're gonna, I'm going to give you a, a handful of reasons as to why this had to happen and why it's every bit as important to, to kind of put the icing on the cake, so to speak, as the rest of the things that we, look, we, we often focus on when it comes to the, the birth, the cross, and the resurrection. So in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says... The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his sufferings with many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about the things concerning the kingdom. 
Rather, uh, or gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to do what? To wait for the, what the Father had promised, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it now at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom of God, or, or the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times and epochs, which the Father has fixed in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And in verse 9 it says, And after he had said these things, notice this, notice what verse 9 says, He was lifted up, while they were looking on, and a cloud received them out of, his, out of their sight. And they were, uh, they were standing there, they were gazing intently into the sky. And while he was going, behold, two men uh, in white clothing stood beside them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, whom has been taken up to you into heaven, will come in the same way in which you had seen him go. So brethren, this is, that's the story of the ascension. It's probably one of the more overlooked aspects of the story of Jesus. And not that it's not any less important, because I'm going to give you some reasons why it had to happen, and why it's just every bit as important as the virgin birth, as the cross, as the resurrection. Because brethren, after Jesus rose from the dead, he spent 40 days, it tells us right there, on earth, doing what? Proclaiming the kingdom as well as convincing them with, uh, 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 with many convincing proofs, showing them that he was alive. Now stop and think about that for a second. Forty days he spent on earth, uh, teaching things about the kingdom, uh, performing many uh, convincing proofs, and, and then also miracles. And I want you to really think about that. I want you to ask yourself, why do you think that matters? Well, it matters because... Uh, well, I know others might say, well, I know that the cross matters. Or they might say, I know that the resurrection matters. But why does it necessarily ma matter that Jesus ascended to heaven? And I would like to propose four or five things here this morning. The first one that we're going to start with is that the, res uh, the ascension matters is because Jesus had returned unto the Father. Well, what do we know about Jesus? Well, we know he's the Word in John chapter 1. We know that he was with the Father before the foundations of the world. We know that the world was created through Jesus, but more importantly, we know that God, deity, is Trinity. Right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So why does it matter that Jesus returned back unto the Father? Because from the beginning of time, and even before the beginning of time, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they lived in perfect union together. But, they, but then the unimaginable thing happened. The unimaginable happened when God the Father had sent his son, Jesus. He left the glories of heaven behind. He entered into our broken, sin-filled world through the virgin birth. He left the Father's side to do what? To come to our side. He left the glories that he had and the power and the majesty that he had in heaven that we learn about in Philippians chapter 2 to come to a broken world for our, on our behalf. So, brethren, he took on flesh, as we learn about in John chapter 1 and verse 14. He took on flesh to live a human life in order to then uh, live in this human world to die on a cross for sins that he did not commit. You see, brethren, the night before that Jesus went to the cross, 
Look at what Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 16 and verse 28. That's what was read here this morning. He says, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world, and I am now leaving the world and going back unto the Father. When Jesus first rose from the dead, he also met Mary Magdalene, did he not? And he met some of the women that were coming to the garden. And in John chapter 20 and verse 17, he said this. Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me. Stop holding on to me. Why? For I have not yet ascended unto the Father. But go to my brethren. Go to my brethren and tell them I, I ascend to my Father and your Father. I ascend to my God and to your God. And before his death, Jesus set his sights on Jerusalem. Before his death, he set his sights on the cross. But now he sets his sights on heaven, and he sets his sights on the great reunion that is coming between him and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Because once again, the Trinity will be back when Jesus takes his place on the throne, we'll be back in perfect union together. So brethren, we often talk about the empty cross. We often talk about the empty tomb. We often talk about, well, the empty earth. Well, what do I necessarily mean by that? Well, think about the empty cross. Well, the, the cross was empty because Jesus died. Nobody takes a person who's still alive down from the cross. That would be counterintuitive. You know, you think about the empty tomb. We know that the angel said in Matthew chapter 28 and in, in verse 6, he said, he is not here, for Jesus has risen. And then we think about the, earth, the empty earth. Well, what do I mean by empty earth? It's that the presence of Jesus, in a physical sense, was no longer here, for he had ascended back unto the Father. So the first reason why the ascension matters is because Jesus returned back unto the Father to receive the glory that he had before the foundations of the world. So brethren, does the ascension matter here today? Absolutely, and that's the first reason. The second reason why the ascension matters is because Jesus took his place on the throne. And we're going to look at a couple different aspects of Scripture. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 here in a moment. But the first one that I want us to see is that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, that we are to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Well, do you know why he said that? The kingdom of heaven is near because the king of heaven was near. Amen. Let that sink in for a second. How often do you consider it that way? The kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand because the king of heaven is in your midst. You see, brethren, we know, does the, does the ascension matter? Absolutely. Jesus was right there, right now, in our midst. But it was not until after Jesus' ascension and his return to heaven that he took his rightful place on the throne. And, that, and what, what an amazing sight that must have been. I want you guys to think about it for a second. You know, we're coming up on an election year next year, and then after the after uh, the, the the country elects a new president, there's a presidential what? Inauguration, and there's what? How many people show up? You guys watch the last couple, right? And, and as I get older, I tend to watch these things a little bit more. They tend to have a little bit more meaning to me. There's tens of thousands of people. I mean, the people are so numerous, they look like ants, right? There's so many people there. Think about royal coronations. I mean, royal King Charles, right? Didn't they just, wasn't King Charles just uh, uh, put on the throne? And people from all over the world were tuning in to watch. Why? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't see the pageantry of that one. But hey, Americans were invested in it, right? Why? Because of the pageantry and the, and the tradition and the pomp and the circumstance. Can you imagine when Jesus returned back unto heaven to take his place on the throne, to sit at the right hand of God? Can you imagine the celebration in heaven? 
And so, brethren, I say all that to say that, does the ascension matter? Absolutely it matters. Why? Because I want to show you something that Daniel had to say, going all the way back to Daniel chapter 7. Look at verse 13 and 14 of Daniel chapter 7 for a moment. Because I want you to see that Daniel had a vision of this amazing event hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before it ever happened. Look at the verbiage of these two verses. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. What does it say? A son of man who was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days. Who do you think he was talking about there? Talking about the Father. He says he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. And he was given authority. He was given glory. He was given sovereign power. All peoples, all nations, men of every language, they worshipped him. His dominion, his everlasting dominion will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Brothers and sisters, here Daniel's vision connects the events of Christ's ascension and return. Because when Jesus, after he had given the commands unto his disciples for what they were to do, to go to Jerusalem, to wait for what was promised to come, it says what? He was lifted up before them and he, was this, he, he ascended back into heaven on a cloud. And Daniel's vision says, I'm looking into the night vision and one like the Son of Man is coming upon the clouds. And he takes his place uh, next to the Ancient of Days. Brethren, do you see the correlation? Does the ascension matter? Absolutely the ascension matters. Why? Because the king is now on his throne. The king is on his throne, and he has been given authority, glory, and power. Jesus, brethren, is prophet. He's high priest. He's savior. He's king. He's God. He's deity. Brethren, it, it was at the ascension that Jesus took his place on the throne and all the wrongs will be made right when Jesus returns the second time. That's the second reason why the ascension matters. There's a third reason. And that third reason is because Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit that we learn about. And so, once again, the night before Jesus died, he was having a conversation with his disciples. And in that conversation on the screen behind me is John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. And he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of the truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him. It does not know him. But you know him because he abides with you. But notice the future tense at the end of that verse. He abides in you, but he will be in you. He abides with you, but he will be in you. Notice the future tense of that. Because in 10 days, what's going to happen? Remember, 40 days on earth, 10 more days, 50, Pentecost, right? Pentecost means 50th. So on the 50th day, Pentecost, Jesus, he sends the Holy Spirit that was promised from the Father. And so brothers and sisters, you look at all of this information. And then Jesus was talking. Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit who would come Upon uh, who come in his place to do what? The Holy Spirit was going to live with us. The Holy Spirit was going to be in us, to be with us, to live in us, to give us strength for living, to give us power for witnessing, to give us peace in the times of trials, to help us to become holy, to help us to be holy as Christ is holy. And in, verse, in John chapter 16 and verse 7, he also told his disciples before his death, he says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I go away, the helper, if, if I don't go away, the helper will not come. 
But if I go, I'll make sure I send them. So you see, brethren, it was to our benefit that these things were going to happen. And when did these things happen? Well, it happened in Acts chapter 2. And you read about Acts chapter 2. You remember in Acts chapter 1, they're in the upper room. There's 120 disciples that are there. They had to replace the, the office of Judas, uh, Judas who, had, uh, who had vacated that place. Uh, when he turned his back on Christ and when he killed himself, we know that that office had to be fulfilled. And so they replaced Judas. And then in Acts chapter 2, the apostles are now in an upper room. And the Holy Spirit had come upon them. And the apostles were all together in one place. And when the Spirit came, like a mighty rushing wind, it tells us, the tongues of fire were separated. And they came and they rested on each one of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other languages. And they began to give glory to God and declaring His wonders. Brethren, when the people of Jerusalem witnessed this event, they asked, what does this mean? And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 32 and verse 33, Peter told them what it means. He says, God has raised this Jesus to life. And he says, we are all witnesses of the fact, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and poured out what you now see and hear. So what was Peter telling them? He was telling them about the empty cross, about the empty tomb, and about the empty earth. In essence, he was telling them that Jesus died, he arose again, and now he has ascended back unto the Father. So you see, brothers and sisters, because Jesus ascended, he poured out the Holy Spirit who now lives in you and me, who lives in all those who make Jesus the Lord of their lives who are baptized for the remissions of their sins. You see, brethren, we receive that gift when we obediently and humbly submit Christ, to submit to Christ and clothe ourselves with, uh, with, with Christ. You yeah. see, brethren, we do that by acting out the gospel. We bury the old man of sin in the waters of baptism, and we're raised up a what? A new creation in newness of life. And we are cleansed of all sin. We're cleansed of all unrighteousness. And then we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and God himself adds us to the kingdom. That is so very crucial, so very important because these things couldn't happen if Jesus didn't return back unto the Father. If Jesus didn't take his place on the throne, I know that because he just said, if I don't go back, he's not coming. But if I go back, I'll send the Holy Spirit that the Father promised. So you see, brethren, does the ascension matter? Absolutely the ascension matters. And so as we continue to look at this information, the fourth reason, brethren, that the ascension matters is because Jesus is coming again. If Jesus is coming again, he had to ascend before he could come back. He had to leave before he could come back. And so the ascension matters. When Jesus left the earth to return to the Father, he doesn't leave us permanently. That's why he sent the helper. He sent the helper to seal us for the day of redemption. And he promised that he would return to us. In John chapter 14, that, that match, wherever he's at, that he, that he quoted this morning, in verses 1 through 3, it tells us that Jesus, he had gone to prepare a place for us. And he says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will, go, I will come back and to receive you unto where I am. And I will take you to, to where I was. And so remember at the beginning of Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 11, we were looking at here this morning, when Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples were, were looking around. They're standing there. And they're just intently staring into the sky. Who wouldn't be intently staring into the sky? Who wouldn't be standing there looking up and be like, what in the world just happened here? 
right? Because they still didn't fully get it. Because they said, hey, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? You see, because the disciples, they still didn't fully understand everything. They still didn't necessarily get everything. And they're standing there, and these angels appear and say, hey, what are we looking at? He says, guys, this Jesus whom you see, he's going to return in the same way in which, he in which he had gone. And that's why I wanted to show you Daniel chapter 7. And so you look at all of this information here. And I go back to, to, to the Acts chapter 1 and verse 11 in which he said that, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way in which he has gone. The point, brethren, is the, the ascension means that Jesus left, but it also means that he will return. And that means that we've got work to do. Did Jesus leave his disciples with work to do? Did Jesus leave the apostles with work to do? You guys remember Matthew chapter 28, right? Go into all the world and stare at the sky? No, go into all the world and teach them to obey all that I commanded you. So we got work to do. We got to be out there planting the seed. We got to be out there spreading the seed, so that way the gospel could take root into the into the hearts and the minds of the people. And brethren, Jesus is coming again, and so we have work to do. And so we're not supposed to be standing around staring into the sky. Instead, we need to be ready. We need to be ready doing God's work because the work of His kingdom it starts with sharing Christ with others. But it also starts with following Christ in such a way that your example sets the stage for your words. Because if you do not live the lifestyle, your words are meaningless. You see, brethren, you have to walk the walk before you can sometimes talk the talk. If you really want people to hear you. If you really want the word to make a difference. You see, brethren, the world around us is in so much trouble, is it not? Is there not so much just distress in the world? And if you get caught up in all of the troubles and all of the distress and all of the 24-hour news cycle, how easy is it to become discouraged? It's so very easy to become discouraged. It's really easy to become discouraged when you make this beautiful breakfast and it explodes on the stove before you're getting ready to eat it. But brethren... We need to make sure that we're ready. We need to make sure that our hearts are not troubled. We're not agitated. Jesus says, you believe in God, believe also in me, because I came from him, and I'm returning unto him. But I'm going to prepare a place, and I will return to take you to where I am. So, brethren, we may not talk about the ascension as much as we talk about the virgin birth, about the cross or the resurrection, but that doesn't mean it's any less important. It's still a vital part of our Christian faith. As I close this down, Jesus is back again with the Father, and everything is as it should be. Jesus has taken his rightful place on the throne. He is the king, and he is in control. God has poured out the Holy Spirit on the faithful believers, and God is with you every hour of every day for all of us who have been sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit through the baptism. And brethren, Jesus is going to come again. Every eye is going to see him. Every ear is going to hear him. And every knee is going to bow Amen. before Almighty God when he returns. And so brethren, we need, to be, we need to be ready. But I have a question for you. When God returns, when Christ returns, is he going to find you faithful? I pause for dramatic effect. When God returns, is he going to find you faithful? When God returns, 
Is he going to find you busy doing the work of the kingdom that he has given you to do? You know, only you can answer that question for yourself. There's going to be a return. There's going to be a second coming. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, 6 through 10. It tells us that when Jesus returns with his angels in flaming fire, he's going to take vengeance on two groups of people. Those who do not obey and those who are not faithful. When Jesus returns, will he find you faithful? Will he find you busy doing the work that he has given you to do? You see, brethren, there's going to be a reunion of the saints. I was talking to... Ilmar and Sheila and Karen and Marlon, right? Marlon, those are the kids, if you guys don't know them. And I was talking to them at the funeral, and I said, guys, I said, it is so very important that you understand the promises of God. Because while this is a difficult day, her life has not ended. It's simply transitioned. Her life has not come to an end because she made Jesus the Lord of her life. And even though I, you die, you live on. And so her, her, her spirit is living on, and it's with Jesus in heaven. It's with Jesus in paradise. And so, brethren, I talked to the kids, and I told them, I said, it is of utmost importance that you remain faithful and true unto God, because there's going to be a reunion, and you get to determine whether or not you're part of it. And so, brethren, we need to convey that message to all who will hear us. You see, brethren, because there's going to be a destination, is there not? And that destination is one of two places. And you get to choose the destination. God doesn't send anybody to hell. And God doesn't send anybody to heaven. But we could choose to go to heaven. Or we could choose to go to hell. And so does the ascension matter? It matters because Christ is going to return. He's coming back. Will he find you ready? If there's anybody here today. And you're hearing this message. And you want to become a child of God. You want to have your sins washed away. It takes place in that baptistry. There's nothing magical about that water. But that's where symbolically we contact the blood of Christ. We reenact the gospel. We bury the old man of sin. The old man of sin is ourselves before we made Jesus the Lord of our lives. We bury the individual and then we raise you back up in newness of life. The Holy Spirit through God the Father, he washes away all of our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that seals us for the day of redemption. And God picks you up and adds you into his kingdom. And if you remain faithful and true, brethren, there's going to be an amazing reunion amongst the saints when our time here on earth is over. If that is your desire, come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.